It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 751 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me this week as my guest is Lance Tyson. Lance is the CEO of the Tyson Group, which sales training company with some very interesting clients, which we chat about. He's also the author of a really excellent book titled Selling is an Away Game, Close Business and Compete in a Complex World. In fact, Lance's book is on a list of my top sales books that I recommend to people. So today, Lance and I are going to talk about what it means to say that sales is an away game and how that mental image shapes how you should connect and communicate with your buyers. Among the topics Lance and I are going to get into is why sales takes place in the mind of the buyer, why there's no perfect script for every situation, why selling is 50% process and 50% art, why having the strength and honor to act and behave in the right way is in how you sell is so vitally important. And we're also going to dive into why Lance believes that empathy is misused by sellers. It's all very interesting. We'll be getting into all of that and much, much more. But before we get to Lance, I'd like to quickly talk about Ring DNA. Ring DNA is the leading revenue acceleration platform that uses AI to help businesses scale revenue growth. They offer a complete solution for sales engagement. That means you can call, text, email, automate sales cadences, effectively coach your sellers, and more, all from one tool. Only with a complete integrated platform can you supercharge rep productivity and optimize peak sales performance. You can learn all about this at RingDNA, about RingDNA at ringdna.com forward slash Andy. That is ringdna.com forward slash Andy. And while you're there, download RingDNA's free research report titled the 2020 Sales Prospecting Performance Report. It's full of actionable insights to help you build your sales pipeline, including data on the best time of day to call your prospects, optimal first call conversation links, and much, much more. So you can get your copy again today at ringdna.com forward slash Andy. That's ringdna.com forward slash Andy. All right, let's jump into it. Lance, welcome to Accelerate. I appreciate you having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. You're joining us from where today? I'm in Columbus, Ohio, Buckeye land. Buckeye land. All right. Are you an alumni of the Ohio State University? No, I went to to, uh, the Pennsylvania State University and graduated from a state school in New Jersey. Okay. uh, All right. I'm probably the only one here in Buckeye land that's necessarily, uh, when they win, it's good for the economy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a soccer fan, so I think about the Columbus crew is when I think of Columbus, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. They're staying, they're staying. It's good. Yeah, they, uh, new ownership. Yep. Yeah. 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 Goodbye. The other guy went to Austin. What the heck? So new stadium they're they're doing it right now. Huge. Oh, are great. they building a new stadium? Yeah, they are building a new stadium. That was kind of one of the things they're, they're actually a good customer. The Haslam family, um, bought them. They own the Browns. That's the Browns, right. Yeah. So oh, great very cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> People who listen to the show know that I'm a soccer fan, so they're probably accustomed to hearing me talk about it. But yeah, the, the crew had the first soccer-specific stadium in in America, so Much, yeah. very exciting. They're replacing. It. Okay, well, good. Well, we're going to talk largely about your book, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have to tell you, I I really really enjoyed it. And uh, as we go through this conversation, listeners will know it. I don't recommend books easily, but this is one I recommend people go out and buy and read. Um, so you talk about sales is an away game. We're talking about sports analogies because you do a lot of work uh, with training with sports teams, the ticket sales for sports teams and sponsorships and 
hospitality and so on. Um, so what do you mean that sales is an away game? Yeah, you know, as, as you know, being an author, I think that the title of the thing just I probably struggle with more than anything at all. And um, I, uh, I, somebody, I'd gotten a big dialogue one time with somebody that sales is a way game. And I kind of really, got, and this was years ago, got caught up in the concept. And as I kept asking why, I, the guy, the gentleman was coaching me, he said, listen, sales is a way game because it actually happens in the mind of the buyer. And more so now than any other time, you have to engage the buyer's mind. And there's all these fragmented conversations you have with people. Mm. There's It's harder to sell now. I, I think it's harder to sell because so much of the salesmanship or gamemanship has been taken out of sales because we're so data-driven now. We're so, um, you know, marketing will have us think that they can really target a high potential buyer, but that kind of takes sales out of it a little bit. And, and, and there's more salespeople now than ever. So really we've got to engage in the mind of the buyer. It's, yeah. It's and just, big. just for people listening, you know, it was talking about an away game as opposed to a home game, if you're using the sports analogy. So instead of sales taking place in the mind of the buyer, it is, and it's harder to play. It's harder to play an away game. Like if you played any kind of, like you're talking about sports to open up with for me, if we were in a soccer team together, if we had to go, we played in Columbus and I'd go play NYFC. Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't play there all the time, I don't know where the divots are in the field, where to kick the ball off. You know what I mean? So away games are tough, and that's what sales really is. Yeah, well, statistically, teams win away games at a lower rate than they do at home games. So true. That's probably true of salespeople. In their mind, they win many more deals than they actually do in reality. So yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> I think that's it's an apt description of it, um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that you talk about. That I think is is really interesting. Is is because it's something that I've written about, and and I think is so true. Is that you sort of equate sales, or say sales, is really about playing the odds, right? And and I've sort of talked about it the same way. I said, you know, every time you have an opportunity to interact with a buyer, it's an opportunity to increase your odds or your probability of winning the deal. And and uh, you give a good example in your book about sort of equating it to casino games because I, I equate it to poker right a lot of people think poker right. poker is a game of chance but the research is really clear is that skilled players win more money than those yes. who aren't so yes. i i think it's a great description of of sales is that yeah it's a game of chance in terms of you don't know who the prospect is yeah you can try to be selective in terms of you're proactively reaching out to but you don't know this person you don't know that situation and you're bringing your skill and applying it to to them right and it's and it's like like you said odds and chance it's it's and every interaction allows your odds to increase and you got to know what you're trying to do at a certain time where you know i was coaching a i was coaching a group earlier today on the phone we had a virtual session set up and and you know as we start to discuss, we, we do something where we discuss a lot of deals. We, you know, I had one of my other trainers working with the Dodgers this, um, this week also, and we're working on deals. And what are you trying to do in that part of the sale? Like you're trying to sell the whole thing or you're just trying to win time off their calendar. So mm-hmm. if I'm just trying to win time off your calendar, I'm saying something different. I'm, I'm talking about, Hey, I might have an idea, you know, I might have something like that. And you got to think time's the most valuable thing you sell most of the time. Right. No, no, no time. You know, watches and rings are the two most expensive pieces of jewelry why because they both signify commitments of time right right so you got to know where you are in the process and what kind of odds you're trying to get for each piece that's why you got to kind of break sales up into little pieces at this point because there's so many fragmented conversations out there 
Huh. Yes. Yeah, uh, now you're going to get me thinking about <laughs> the importance of rings and watches, which I had thought yeah, about exactly. before. <laughs> but no, that's, that's very apt. Well, I think that, and you get into this later in the book, and yeah, I was going to get into this eventually, but it's, it's I mean, you, you talk about the importance of process, right? And, and yet, at the same time, we're really going through, uh, I think, an evolution in the way of sales is that perhaps we've got too much process and, yeah. and, and too much scripting. And, and you talk about this issue of being able to be in the moment, you know, to, to be able to have some situational awareness, to borrow that term from the military, about what's going on and be able to sort of frame or reframe what you're doing to suit that situation. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's um, the um, thing about what you said so accurate, like the, the skill of being extemporaneous or impromptu it, it's, it's so important because it's, it's it, it, when you're, when you're driving your car, like a lot of, a lot of things we, we equate to now is like a Waze app, right? The Waze app is in the moment or like one of your, your Google traffic map. It's taking what's in front of you and then helping you decide to move left or right based off the circumstances. And in sales, like everybody, everybody wants this perfect thing to say, but there's really not. You just kind of have to know where you're going and the potential of them saying yes, no, maybe. It's, you know, you know what it's like a little bit? It's almost like the game shoots and ladders. You're going to go up, shoot, right? right? You're going to shoot up the ladder, and you just got to kind of be ready for it at some level. But it's it's we, you know, we were we were doing some coaching recently with a tech company, and we kind of broke down some of their objections, where they got the objections, and they were so stuck on their objections and the perfect wording for things. I was like, how could you actually be surprised at this point? You actually know every objection you're going to get. You should be more prepared with how to respond to it because you do it more than they give the objection. And they were so caught up on the perfect verbiage because they were so sucked right. into the Scripts. process. Yeah. Right. And I said, no, I was like, you gotta, you gotta, you put so much pressure on yourself. You got to kind of pressure them. They gave you the objection. Right. So you got to be it's so it's like you said, it's half art and half science. Right. So 50 percent of sales is process, predictable process, yields predictable result. And 50 percent is art, the great art of dealing with people, the great art of being in the moment with somebody, the likability factor. Well, yeah. And that's, that's one thing I was going to get to is because, you know, one thing you and I are well aligned on is, is you wrote that the, you know, the bedrock of sales is still people selling to people. Uh, and yet, this seems to be a mystery to many sellers these days. To the point you were making earlier, is they're so locked into their process that when something happens out of the ordinary, they don't know what to do. Right. And 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 I I really I put the blame on this really to management is saying, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we've got certain activity levels that we expect. We got expect you to follow this process, yada 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 yada, but. You know, you're one of seven billion people in the world, and you're going to go out and talk to somebody. That's going to be a unique experience of that interaction that is not the same with everybody else. You know, and there's two types of salespeople in the world. There's a type of salesperson that walks through this door and the whole room lines up, and there's a type that walks out of that door and the whole room lines up. Right? <laughs> it's like you got to you got to decide. So I spent an early part of my career. I was fortunate enough to work. Um, for Dale Carnegie training. And I, mm-hmm. and I'm such a huge fan of those guys. And, and one of the books I tell everybody to read first sales books you read is how to win friends and influence oh, people. Top of, top, of, top of the list. I recommend to everybody, right? hundred percent, right? Go to FedEx Kinko's today. You can buy it for seven bucks, right? One of their, one of their, it's right, right in their stand. 
but the, the thing I don't, I don't get a lot is, you know, you don't actually have to like people. You have to get along with people. I don't care whether you like them or not, but you're going to have to get results through people at mm-hmm. some level. Right. And you can actively, a skill set people don't realize. I, I think the big misnomer with salespeople, if I hear this one more time, I, I, I debate salespeople and sales managers all the time. It's relationship selling. I said, no, relationships are outcomes. It's because of, some, of a timeline. You actively can build rapport. Don't get confused with the words. I can build rapport with somebody, but relationships are because of things that happen. I can actively establish credibility and build trust. I can display an understanding. And when you get that triangle, that equilateral triangle, those three things, that's the great art of selling at the end of the day. That's a great art of leadership also, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that part because, yeah, the people fear the word relationship in sales. and. And uh, I don't know, I think it was either Plato or Aristotle you know, talked about, he had three levels of, of friendship or relationship. And the, the first one mm-hmm. is what he called a friendship of utility. And that's what you want in sales is a friendship of ut- utility. It's not somebody, you're not going to dinner with them. They're not becoming best friends. And I, I think people, and this, we may have this discussion a little bit about is that, yeah, people get confused by this terminology. They think relationship. Oh, I have to have this emotional bond with somebody. Yeah, yeah. And, well said. Well and, said. And I, I think that and trust is another word. See, I would, mm-hmm. I would, I would actually say that <laughs> that before you sell something, people don't really trust you. What they, what they do oh. is they consider you trustworthy. And, right, right, right. And, and, well, and that helps them get to that point and be able to make a decision. I, I gave the example to a group I was leading an exercise with is, is um, okay, <laughs> your buyer thinks you're trustworthy enough to buy from, but do they trust you enough to babysit their kids? And probably not, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, we, I, I think where, the, where people get confused is that that we again we talk about no like and trust. You know, if you're if you have five meaningful interactions with a buyer during their buying process, yeah, you know, how much do they really know you? How much do they really have the opportunity mm-hmm. to develop? You can you're you want to be likable. I think you you, you make right. this, you make this point. You want to be likable, but they don't really know you enough to to like you. I think we have to acknowledge that. As sellers, the buyers making decisions with really imperfect information about us. Uh, yes, and, and what you said really triggered something because I, I love the the friendship of utility because that's what it is, right? And the only way you're going to influence if somebody is there is some kind of rapport, right? Mm-hmm. And then what you talk about with trust really comes through this concept of credibility. And what a lot of people yes. don't realize, you know, hum, humans are humans are very very judgmental. Your, your sure. ability to get somebody to trust you is going to have a lot to do. Look, your appearance plays into it. I like, yes. look, I, I hit 50 this year and I'm sitting there going like, now I'm the old white guy in front of the room, right? Like that, like I'm the old guy in the room now. So I get in front of these millennials. I go, Hey, I know I'm the old guy. You probably have judged me already. What does he know? He doesn't know what I know. He doesn't even know how to play Fortnite, Right. And then, then you flip it over. Then once they get over, we get over how the appearance, whether that's an email, whether it's our tone, mm-hmm. then we're going to be judged on, on how we interact. 
because even like even me using my hands like this might offend some of the people that are watching. Like, oh, he's aggressive, <laughs> or he's, he's too assertive, or he's raising his voice. I don't like that tone. The last thing we'll be judged on is who we are as humans. Our soul is the last thing they'll judge us on, right? Well, you write that in the book, but I, I wanted to bring that up because I I actually think that's the first thing though that people okay. judge you on. I mean, I think that that the world is basically operates on this basis that everywhere you go. The first thing when people meet you or so on is what they're asking is, why you? Yes. And I think that's the first thing that I, that I think, and this is, you know, again, my experiences, that is the universal question. You know, if, if it doesn't matter what you're selling, it could be financial advice, it could be, uh, as you know, you talk about, it could be corporate sales, it could be whatever. Well, is, I, yeah, I think they do by you. I think, I think that's ultimately, if you, if you went and Googled, um, I think the best sales book ever is Green Eggs and Ham. Right, it's, sure. it's the greatest sales book. So, how many times does they deal with the objection? It comes out seventy-three times. And then when you ask, like, what was the first objection? I ask groups this all the time. They say, "Well, I don't like green eggs and ham." And I said, "No, that's not the first objection. The first objection is I don't like Sam. I am." Yeah. So well, exactly. the first objection is is the objection of the sale. So I I agree there. But I just but people yeah, don't, sorry, don't but people don't pay attention to that though. That's the thing that no, is, they don't. This is if you don't do a good job to your point about building rapport and connection. And I I'll say the word connection instead of relationships. Right. Fair. Build, building your connection. It doesn't matter what comes after that. You are you are in second place or third place, and you know so there's. And you, there's, yes. nothing, there's nothing you can do to change it. And the thing that that so many sellers, I think, re- refuse to acknowledge, is that just because the customer is still talking to you doesn't mean you're in the running. <laughs> right? I think I think they, you they and think I that, are complete they, alignment. Yeah, complete they, alignment. They think if they don't like you, well, why are they still spending time with it? Because there's lots of reasons why they 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 want to try to find out what their options are. There's, you know, it's just. So the this first impression, which and the rapport, the connection, all those things are so important. And you can't just take it for granted. And nope. and that's why you're hired. That, that that's actually your job. Like I was on the phone earlier today with the Memphis Grizzlies and we were doing a mm-hmm. virtual session. And you know, it's a tough market to sell in. It's Memphis. It's you know, they there's a they love basketball down there, college basketball, sure. things like that. And I was talking to one of their salespeople and they said, like, Lance, I was on this great call with this guy. He gave me every buying signal. I said, do you feel he liked you? Yeah, I liked me. And the gal's name was Emily. And she said, yeah, he liked me. I said, did you feel he was BSing you? She said, no. She goes, he won't even return my call at this point. I said, is there a chance he didn't want to buy from you? And she said, yeah. I said, well, I said, at the end of the day, people are humans. People don't like to deliver bad news at times. Yeah. He's probably warn you because he doesn't want to tell you no. <laughs> right. It's and I said, you got to make it easy for him next time. You got to let him know when you're going to follow up. It's okay to say no to me. Yeah. So you at least can engage and give your, yourself odds to sell. Right. But, you know, we, gotta, we deal with humans. They're creatures of emotion. They justify logically. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I, right. I, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, I wanted to touch briefly. You, you talked about your mentor, Sam, in the book, the gentleman that you started work with, Dale Carnegie, that you ultimately bought some or all yeah. of his business. Um, and what struck me is, and it was a short sentence you had in there, but you, you talk about the importance of values, in particular about you learned about living a life of honor. Um, yes. 
which I think is, we don't talk enough about values and character in sales. And I think it's so important. It gets back to this, how people perceive you because, you know, if you lack integrity, people are going to understand that really quickly. Um, well, like it's a mirror to the soul. They'll know quick. They'll know definitely quick. Yeah. And so I just want to dig into that a little bit. Is, you know, why, why don't we talk about it more? When you know, when interview people, you know, I, I have a set of questions I give clients for interview questions that, that have values and character questions. I've got this uh, great book written by uh, kind of Tony John, Jan, T-J-A-N. He has been on the show. A book's called Good People. And he's saying, you know, the most important thing you can do as a, a manager or entrepreneur or whatever is hire good people. And he gets into this whole idea of values and character as well because, you know, it's, it's the representation of who you are and it comes across so quickly. Mm. Mm. I think, well, I think a couple things, and this is just my opinion. We, we have isms in our company, um, and, and these isms are things that over time I've I learned from Sam, I learned from my dad. A lot of them were, you know, um, one one big, um, big ism in our company, and there's a couple people in the office that, that are kind of paying attention, listen to me right now. They wanted to observe. They're being doing a good job of being quiet. Um, <laughs> one of our isms in our company is you'll figure it out. And I have one of my younger managers, she's been with me since college, and she's probably has more experience now than she would. Her name's Lauren. And we were talking yesterday, and we're having a tough conversation, and she goes, I'll figure it out. And, like, if you're going to, like, we, like, in our business, you got to figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. I trust you to go, you have to trust yourself if you can solve problems. But this this thing of honor it, it, um, is you have to have strength and honor to actually act and behave the right way right. and people make bad decisions for whatever reason. People aren't necessarily bad. And it makes me think back to the movie. I don't know if you watched the movie gladiator and I'm, I'm a yeah, history major years, so. years ago. Yeah. I was a history major yeah, as well. So, yes. Yeah, so, no wonder we're getting along so well. <laughs> so um, the, um, if you remember in the movie, um, the, the, the Romans would shake each other's hand, the inner, inner part of their arm and they would say strength and honor. That's, that's his historically at some level correct because um, the Romans taught something around citizenry called virtus, what it meant to be a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. So my sons and I, before they would go to bed and even we would go to church and we could assign a piece or whatever, and I don't want to get too much in religion. We actually say strength and honor and we say that. And it's, it's part of our company and, you know, doing it right's one thing, but doing the right thing as a whole might be the most unpopular thing you're going to do. Right. And but but it's doing the right things different than doing it right. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, I, I love values. Right. And, and along the lines, I, I love and often cite this this quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who's one of my favorite <laughs> writers, American writers, philosopher, who said, um, what you do speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. Yes. Yes. Great quote. And <laughs> and that's we should be living our lives by that. I mean, this is. Yes. Uh, so, um, but if, you know, you know what? Though, I do want to say one other thing because I think what you bring up is so important. We, our, our mission statement at Tyson Group is we work with sales leaders and teams to help them compete in a complex world. So when we do sales training, and and you know we're around the country doing this, just not me, any any staff member of mine. We work with sales leaders before we work with sales teams because mm-hmm. we have to understand their values. So we drive this session with people because it's it's really hard for leaders and salespeople to figure out what they value. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to articulate. Mm-hmm. So we can do a whole exercise and excuse my language, what pisses you off? What really right. pisses you off about salespeople? And I have them write things down. We go around the room and what we did, what we found, this is just our opinion. It's not very scientific. 
that whatever ticks you off really angers you, frustrates you about a salesperson or somebody you're managing about them or something you consistently have to remind people on is usually where your values start. Mm-hmm. Because whatever you observe that really frustrates you, like I was on the phone this morning uh, with a guy I've done business with for years, and he feels he has a couple salespeople on staff that are just kind of, he has some young ones that are hustling from his inside team. He has some ones that are kind of living high on the hog a little bit, and they're not hustling. They're not dressing the part. They're not acting the part, and it really frustrates him. I said, Ryan, why does that frustrate you so much? He goes, because I wasn't, I, I didn't come up through the ranks that way. Right. I said, are they stealing from you? No. I go, what is it? He goes, I just think they're lazy. I said, so the laziness, see, that's, a, that's part of his value system. Right. A demonstration that's anything less than hustle is what he values. I'm not right. saying it's right. It's what he sure. values. Yeah. So, well, I, everybody's different, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I know. Everybody is. Yeah. I'm not saying that can frustrate me. I can actually, hey, if you can get it done with less effort, I'm all about that. That wouldn't, that doesn't necessarily frustrate me. Well, the thing is, that's always a perception on somebody's part, right? It is. It is. So it's, it's about it's what he values. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as I said before, I'm a soccer fan. I mean, there's a couple of players in the last decade or so in Premier League football in England. Uh, this guy, Dimitar Berbatov, who played for Tottenham and some other teams, was legendary. Manchester United played for him. Legendary because it just looked like he wasn't trying. Right. <laughs> but he was. And he was a deadly scorer and all these things. But I, mean, I always thought, I love watching him play because he's making it look so effortless. Um, right, it makes it look easy. Yeah, so other people, right, it is a perception thing. Yeah. yeah, other people look at it and say, what a lazy SOB. So, right. Um, but the, the outcomes are what you wanted, though. That's 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 getting. All right, I want to spend a little bit of time, too, because an interesting take in there. And I, we're probably going to have to have you come back and do this more because we're only going to get to a fraction of things I want to talk about. Is. Um, as a couple of interesting takes on empathy. You, you wrote that that uh, there's no room for empathy in sales. So, yes. so tell us what you meant by that, because that certainly certainly runs counter to what everybody has taught. Well, so so it's an interesting concept, right? And, and it, it's probably the way it was it was written in a way to frustrate people and get get their attention. So I'll give, I'll use this example. Um, so I, I get to college. I'm not very good at sports. I don't get a scholarship. So I got to figure out how to pay for it. And I wasn't even going to go to school because I was so sick of my parents asking me what my grades are. So I figured <laughs> out how to get in college. I joined the Marine Service for about a year, hurt my back, go to Penn State. I was able to get in kind of on, on like the condition that I had to have a certain grade point average. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. So I said, oh, I'll become an RA. I said, that's like free room and board. You kind of, so I went through this class and I probably, and I'm going to say this, whoever's listening, I do not want to offend people when I'm saying this. I was probably Mel Gibson taking the class in Lethal Weapon. That if I saw somebody that was going to like take a dive off a building, I'd yeah, probably be the, jump one right. just jump, just yeah, jump, right? Get or whatever. Right. Like, but I went through that class and I started to realize like, hey man, there are some people out there that are dealing with some demons and some ways they think how they're brought up or who they are that like, that's not appropriate. I probably never to that point appreciated empathy, but I also realized empathy was extremely deep, a deep connection. And for me to be empathetic with um, like my whole company is run by um, like, I, I have like three female VPs and two of them are going through maternity leave right now. For me to sit there and empathize with being pregnant or what that's like to to go through that, I, I can understand it. I can be sympathetic to that, but I can't be empathetic to that. It's impossible. 
There's just no way if you look at the definition. So, and I look at sales and some sales are transactional and like if you, the relationship you talk of utility and things like that, I kind of go back to Dale Carnegie's principle out of how, how to win friends and influence people. I think this is more appropriate most of the time. Be sympathetic to other people's ideas and desires because they gave birth to them. Mm-hmm. So I think in sales, being sympathetic to under, not feeling sorry for them, but gathering their ideas and listening to what they're saying, I think that's more doable. I think empathy is such a high level. That's, that's where I'm more at on that. Okay. Well, so let me share something. So I think that yeah, – <laughs> that, so, and I agree to some, to some, some degree – not to be repetitive. So, well, research now identified there's three types of empathy. And there's emotional empathy, which is the one that we most commonly associate with empathy is, you know, I, I'm, I can feel this person's pain, right? I, I, I can put myself in their shoes. And then there's compassionate empathy, which is, yeah, I can, I can feel their pain and I feel motivated to do something about it. And then there's cognitive empathy, which is I understand why they feel the way they do, and which I think is closer to what you're talking about relative to the sympathy. And, and a great book, if people want to read it, by Paul Bloom called Against Empathy, um, where he really gets into this. And this is what I think is the type of empathy that's really important for, for salespeople. And I, I distinguish it from sympathy because sympathy has this air of pity about it. Um, but but I think this cognitive empathy is is yeah I don't I don't need to feel your pain I need to understand why you feel this pain I need to understand that's context right I need to understand the context and and I think that then and you sort of said it just using different words is is so valuable for salespeople is not get hooked up into again yeah this this is so painful this person it's like why is this painful and if I understand why it's painful then I can actually help them develop an options or options about how to solve it. Yeah. And I, I think, I think kind of the split where you and I like where sometimes over understanding a why gets you into problem solving where maybe you don't need to go that deep. It just really depends on what you're selling. I think what I meant more about the sympathy piece is I, I see too many salespeople um, disregarding or not even asking other people's opinion. And I think when I look at influence and persuasion, so the, so the mm-hmm. quote from Del Carnegie said, be sympathetic to other people's ideas or desires because they actually gave birth to them. I see too much ignoring going on there where there's so many times, like I'll give you for example, sure. we sell sales training, right? right? And there are so many times we were just dealing with it. Literally got a really want a big deal the other day with my salespeople where we were selling to a textbook company. And so I said to the VP, I said, listen, I said, if you're talking to us, we got your attention. If you were going to do the sales training right now, what's everything you would put into it? Mm-hmm. And he listed all the stuff and exactly how we do it. Well, if you don't think for one second, I didn't go in the, in the proposal <laughs> and feed him back his opinion at some right. level, it's harder for him to argue his idea and it's easier to argue my idea. So at some level, that's kind of more that I'm getting at. Yeah. Your last definition of empathy, I agree with it. The other two, and I and I think I'm big on words. I, I really challenge people when they use words. Do you know what that word means? Yeah. Do you really understand the word? And I think you get so many, you know, shallow leadership and shallow salespeople that aren't thinking. Just like going back to your comment about values, I don't think they think. 
Well, yeah, you're, I'm you're very pretty surfacely, <laughs> very tactical. <laughs> you're pretty, you're pretty blunt about that in your book. You said the reason salespeople suck is they don't think. I think that's a right. quote, a direct quote yeah, from the book. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, you're pretty direct about that, and I, I agree. I mean, this gets back to one of the points we were talking about earlier: is that if you have an opportunity to interact with a prospect, and I, and I call this uh, value planning, right? And is that what is the value you're going to deliver in that interaction that at the end of it, the customer is going to be closer to making a decision than they were at the start of it. And if you, right. and if you can't answer that question, you're not thinking, right? You're just going through a process. And this exactly. is this part about sales that I think escapes so many people. And if you're listening, you've got to really take this to heart. Is selling is a deliberate act. It's not an automatic act. You go through a process. I do step one, step two, step three, and I follow a script. It's no, what's happening now? What do they need from me now yes, yes. to make progress toward making a decision? And that's, that's, and it gets back to sort of the earlier comment you talked about with your, uh, you know, ring and watch signifying a commitment of time. And I've written this in both my books is that, you know, buyers at one level or another, they calculate an ROI on the time they invest in you. A hundred percent. And it's why, you know, it's just amazing. So I, like I'm with a, I was with a group that, that sells media rights recently. Mm-hmm. We we're going through some deals and we were talking and we we're talking about their first meetings. And I said, well, how do you open up? And then I went in there and they were talking about how they qualify something. I said, why don't you just, why wouldn't you just ask that buyer what actually got you to take the meeting with me today? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just ask that question? You might have, it, it was the same reaction when Columbus discovered North America <laughs> as everybody was on the deck. You, I had, I had like, you know, you know, these Ivy League educated folks in the background. Right? Wait, say that again. I go, okay, I'm going to say it one more time. <laughs> take a meeting. And, and, and I'm not even over exaggerating. You might, it might, they're just like, Wow, just like so. Where would you ask that? I said I'd probably come off of pleasantries and say, yeah. "Hey, before we get started, just out of curiosity." And and sometimes the simple is the genius, but it gets that gets into what you're saying, where like being in the moment, being you know, if they're going to measure the, how valuable you are there, don't do what you need to do in the moment. Like if you're trying to set that appointment, right, or you're on a first call, what are you trying to do there? You're going to try and show some value, but don't try to do too much right. because your sale is going to be broken up into pieces anyway. Right. Yeah. Based it, on what's going on. Right. Well, and I would just append onto that question. You know, why, yeah, yeah. why'd you take the meeting? Is so what's on your mind? Right. right. So, so you, why, why are you interested in having this meeting? What's on your mind? And it's like, it's such what's on our mind? Well, let me tell you what's on our mind, right? Because right. you just give them permission to open up. And, right. And, yeah. And, or like the, they say, hey, what's on my mind is you kept calling me and I figured I wanted to meet this person. Yeah. Right? In a moment then, now they're buying you a little bit, right? That's right. That's right. Run with it if they say that. <laughs> Don't be afraid of it. Don't go to the next question question on your script. <laughs> be a, be authentic, yeah, have an authentic response to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you nailed, you nailed it when you said, you said, look, sales isn't this line. It's not this linear thing. It's this atom that moves. And and like, you know, that first step might take three conversations. You're not going to, yeah. they say this and you say this, you can't plan out your next play. You have to know the direction you're going to turn it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and part of that is, it says this deliberate action. And, and I think, I think we're salespeople, a lot of sales who have an issue is they don't really understand what they're trying to do. 
and you know, you say, well, I'm trying to get an order. Well, are you really? I mean, that's the outcome of what you're doing. And you use this word outcomes all the time, like relationships, so on. But what are you really trying to do? Right. Yeah, to what we talked about before is if you don't connect and build rapport with that person, the rest of it's not going to matter. So really, isn't your job to get really good at connecting and building rapport? No doubt. Well, you, if you think about what you're just saying, like they don't know what salespeople struggle knowing what to do in the, in the in the moment. So we teach this balanced attack approach where what's the mindset of the customer? What's your strategy? What's your tactic? Your tactics, not always, it's not the same tactic every time. And then what skill are you needing to pull it off? So if you think about this, a sales really just a series of yeses. Right. And, and ultimately to get to a no or a yes. Yes, I'll meet with you. Yes, you can ask me questions. Yes, you kind of target a, maybe what I need or what I want or what the opportunity is. Yes, you can present something. Yes, you dealt with the objections or resolved it. Yes or no, I'll buy. It's five to six yeses. So essentially another way to look at it is like, hey, you got to overcome preoccupation. If you can overcome some preoccupation, do you build some more rapport, some more credibility? If you talk like you understand their business, do you enhance your credibility? Do you enhance your rapport? The answer is yes, and it's these things that mold together that cause that interconnectivity. But it's like you said, oh, I'm here to get an order. Well, then you're not really thinking about it because there's there are things that have to happen before you can even have that conversation. You gotta get you gotta get them to raise their hand a little bit and say, Yeah, I'd be willing to see what you got. Doesn't mean I'm gonna give you an order or not. Yeah. Right. Well, and, I, and I think along with that is is one of the issues is again the way the sales is oftentimes being trained is that we got this linear process we go through, which doesn't align at all with the buying process the buyers have, because they're, they're this you know, spaghetti diagram, as Gartner Group calls it, and now that, that's, you know, they, it's, it's not linear. It's the, the least linear thing. It's like a, you take a handful of spaghetti and throw it up on the wall. That's the flowchart of the buying process. Right, right. But sellers have to be mindful is that, you know, rapport building is not something you do just at the beginning, right? Every, right, every, right. every interaction you build and build on it. Every interaction you want to learn more. Every interaction is a discovery opportunity. Every interaction is a way to, is a better an opportunity to understand more perfectly what it is they want. You know, every interaction you deliver something of value. And so well, and that's and that's where and, the challenger sale really kind of screwed a lot of people up. I mean, I, I like their study and everything, but they they intimated in that it's not really not a sales process is what people do. Right. They intimated like so far in the future or so far in the beginning, you got to really pre-qualify them. I'm like, that's if they're willing to answer your questions. Like, you got you got to build got to build yeah. rapport in the trust to get them to answer your questions. So, so a lot of people come out of the gate when that stuff comes off, and they're asking in the first meeting, "What's your budget?" Yeah, I remember some, somebody's trying to sell me a copier once. He goes, "What's your budget?" And I go, "Half your best offer." Like, <laughs> what, what do you want me to say to you? Like, well, what, what, what my budget is for document control? Like, I don't know. Like, sell me something, dude. Well, I, I use the analogy of like, yeah, you know, online dating, right? If you meet somebody on an app, yeah, you sort of have to earn the right to ask more intimate questions, right? Yes. <laughs> it's yes. the same thing true with your customer, right? And plus, yeah, they're not going to reveal they're crazy on the first date most times. So, <laughs> well, people that fail most on those dating apps are the ones that, you know, say you're on Tinder or Bumble. They, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this one time, and they're literally, they're right, and I want my ha- happily ever after on their profile. I said, well, you scared half everybody away. Like, 
why don't you just try and get a glass of wine or a cup of coffee with somebody? Why are you talking about your happily ever after? Right. Far. It's like, I'm here to get the order. No, you got to get the date first. Right? So Exactly. Okay. So last point I want to cover before we got to go. It's been so much fun is, and I, I, I love this one because uh, as you said, there's actually, as you wrote, quote, there's actually zero skill in closing. It's just a matter of landing the airplane. And I thought, I was giving a standing ovation when I was reading it because, yeah, I yeah I get so frustrated by this mythology of the closer, quote unquote, the closer, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I tell people, I said, yeah, I've literally sold hundreds of millions of dollars of stuff around the world in my career, uh, ranging from women's shoes to uh, <laughs> communication systems worth over a hundred million dollars. I've never been in the room when the customers made the decision. <laughs> Right. I mean, like at the end of the day, uh, you're going to participate a little bit, but usually you're like, <laughs> yeah, it just it happened. This, and yet we've got still have sales organizations putting out job descriptions for account execs and so on is that we want this extroverted, aggressive closer. And I think and I asked when I see that. So I said, well, what the hell is that? I so agree with you. I couldn't, uh, first of all, I, I appreciate your approach. Um, I do a ton of podcasts and, and you read my book and I love that you're quoting. I'm almost over here going, oh, did I say that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. I think people overcomplicate the process. I think bottom line, you have to be in a situation where you're comfortable enough asking somebody what their thoughts are moving forward at some level, which mm-hmm. is a direct cause. And Half the time they're going to come back and say at some level I need to think about it, and then and then you're going to have to dig in and say what do you like, what don't you like, right. what do you, what do you think about. But when they do go make that decision, just like I was talking about that textbook company we're doing business with, like they're they came back to us and said, hey, let's 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 talk a little bit about the number, blah 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 blah. Well, once they did that, I once they wanted to talk about the number after the other pitch, I was like, all right, we're already here, and he yeah. goes, well. Can you sharpen your pencil? I said, to what? And he goes, well, I'm not sure. I said, well, sharp, you got to give me a range, and then you got to tell me what I should take out of this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, we want everything. I said, well, well yeah, that's not going to work. I said, <laughs> I said, then you're going to have to give, you're going to have to tell me what you're thinking. Like, right. Right? And, and like, there's a little pushback and forth. And, and I guess you could call that like some quasi negotiation. It was not done in a way that would have offended anybody, right. but, it, but it, he was doing, he was doing what he should have done because he's going to yeah. get pumped. Right. But like I'm, I wasn't in the room when they made the decision to do that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's so many nuts things that are happening. That, uh, but it's good to know there's someone like yourself out there that's that's talking about this as well. And and um, we're definitely going to do this again. This is uh, this. I, I would love to. Been a, lot of, a lot of fun. And so Lance, um, tell people I can learn more about the Tyson Group and what you guys do and how to connect with you. Yeah. Um, so, so like I mentioned before in the talk, Tyson Group is um, where, just a little plug, we've been ranked the last couple of years by Selling Power as a top 20 sales training organization, honorable mention. Mm-hmm. We're really boutique so we're not a monster organization. Um, I think what we do uniquely, we assess design training coach. So we put a lot into it, how we assess organizations, because we understand most organizations mm-hmm. and sales teams suffer from uniqueness and we respect that. So right. we want to make sure we assess and design. They can reach me at Tyson Group, uh, uh, go on our website, Tyson Group, if they want to learn more. Um, you can reach out to me at Lance Tyson on LinkedIn and Twitter at Lance Tyson and Instagram at LT Plan. LT Plan. All right. 
Good. Uh, so, well, Lance, thanks for taking the time, and that's that. We'll look forward to doing this again. Appreciate. It. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate. It. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Lance Tyson. Join me again next week as my guest will be Lisa Magnuson. Lisa is the author of the book titled The Top Sales Leader Playbook, How to Win 5X Deals Repeatedly. And we're going to talk about learning how to win big deals, how you as a sales leader and your sales team, how you effectively target and close deals that are multiples in size, 5X in particular, compared to your current normal deal size. It'll be a great conversation. You'll definitely want to check it out and join us then. So again, thanks for joining me this week on Accelerate. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.